The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's a tough one to get going, isn't it, folks? The day after Thanksgiving, basketball started at 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's before I could even get this damn pod out to you, so uh, hopefully you're all set for that Boston-Brooklyn game that's uh, already underway. But good morning, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, the post-Thanksgiving and also weekend episode. It's Friday. It's the Friday episode, technically. I'm Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. As always, please do give a follow on Twitter. Follow us at HoopBallFantasy. And check out our presenting sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company, H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website, and search for them on Amazon by just typing in Hawaiian Isles. We, uh, we had a show on yesterday I thought was uh, kind of a fun one, able to sort of dig in on that big Wednesday card, do a little crossover promo with the box score breakdown. So hopefully that introduced a few of you to a really neat free show that we offer here at HoopBall. They do that, that box score breakdown show at the end of games, every day, basically, Sunday through Thursday nights. So five days a week, well, as soon as the games are over, you get that show right into your inbox, or whatever, however it works with podcasts. You get, into your, you get an alert straight to your podcast listening device. So that was cool. Uh, it was good talking to Kurt, and uh, they do a fantastic job on that. Today, here on Fantasy NBA Today, we have a normal Friday with one key exception. Number one, the key exception there were no games on Thursday. So we have nothing to review in the traditional sense on the Thursday card, but we will have our traditional Friday kind of a weekend preview deal where we're going to go through all the games coming up tonight. We're going to look through the weekend as well, although, you know, with whatever it is, 12, what are we at, 12 or 13 games today? Is it 13? I think it's 13 games today. And then because the first one happened so early, it's not on a lot of DFS cards. So we've got 26 of the 30 teams playing tonight. So we won't have to do much of a preview of Saturday and Sunday. But basically, we're going to do what we always do on Fridays. We're going to do the look ahead. We're going to do our full week in review, meaning all the pickups, the drops, the holds, the watch list guys, the streamers, everything that's taken place, in my humble opinion... Over the last three or four actual game days, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because there was no Thursday, uh, that was a pretty easy thing to review, by the way, because basically everybody played on Wednesday anyway. Uh, and then there were just a couple of teams, what is it, like Denver and Dallas on uh, on Tuesday. We had to go all the way back to those bad boys. Uh, so we'll review those, all the pickups, drops, whatever. And uh, also I want to flip in. A mailbag edition of the podcast today. So uh, that'll be fun as well. I, I threw that tweet out yesterday on Thanksgiving morning. Uh, many of you submitted questions, and we'll try to get to as many of those as is possible before running out of time on today's show. So let's do it in some kind of reasonable order. And the first thing I want to get into is the kind of weekend review stuff. Uh, meaning... All of the things that I thought were important that happened this week. So let's start with the pickups over the course of the week. And we'll and I'll give some explanation on each of them as we work our way through. 
pickups over this week. I thought Mo Bamba did solidify himself as the pickup of the center in Orlando. The only problem there is that Kem Birch actually seeing more minutes than Bamba in their backup for Nick Vooch role so far. Bamba obviously has done more from a fantasy perspective with his minutes, so I'm okay with him as a short-term fill-in option. But also be aware that Vooch is hoping to come back sort of sooner than it looked like when the first thing happened. He's going to be reevaluated. Uh, and he has some sort of bone bruise thing going on as well. So I don't know if this is going to be a week, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is. Uh, but Bamba hitting five three-pointers in that last ball game to go along with the fact that he has five blocks over his two kind of step-in-and-do-stuff games has been uh, pretty good. So I'll get you some blocks, and you know what? If you can use that for a few weeks, so be it. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some pretty bad games creep in every once in a while. It's hard for guys to step into a bigger role, especially when he's splitting minutes right down the middle with Kem Birch. But right now, it looks like he should be able to do enough to stay relevant, uh, so you're riding that until Vooch comes back. Terrence Ross I put on the pickup list, even though he's a guy that uh, we advised as a grab basically as soon as he came back from his whatever injury you want to call it, the uh, the knee soreness. And over those two weeks, he's sitting well, like just right outside the top 100. Um, over the last week, he's missed some free throws and his steals have been down. But he's a guy that is kind of on the inside, just barely. And I've talked about this before. I consider him kind of like a 10th man sort. He's going to take a bunch of shots. He needs them to go in to be fantasy relevant. You want a lot of them to be three-pointers because him hitting twos isn't doing us a whole lot of good. Uh, but over the last week or two, he's averaging you know close to 15, 16 points. So the, the scoring is up. And they need him to, to do stuff with volume while everybody is hurt on that team. So Terrence Ross is in. Uh, as an end-of-bench guy. Daniel Tice is in, even though the start of this game in Boston has not gone all so great for him. He played whatever it is, like the first four minutes and had a rebound. But overall, he's actually been very good. He had an injury that knocked him out briefly, but as a starter and really as a guy that has sort of grabbed that role by the horns, he's getting up near 10 rebounds a game. He's getting you a block and change a game. He's hitting a very high clip on his field goal percent over this stretch funny thing is on the season he's actually under 50 percent from the field uh but basically since he took the starting job he's inside the top 100 which makes him sort of like an eighth man or ninth man on your team 70 something from the free throw line 54 from the field top 90 guy over the last month uh on the shoulders of eight and eight with 0.7 steals and 1.7 blocks to me, he's a very trustworthy center. He should be owned and started in all 12-team leagues, provided you're not in some sort of weird format or potentially a points league. So he's one I like, actually, for rest-of-season value as well. I got Kelly Olynyk on this list, and we've talked about him a little bit uh, this week already on the podcast. And that's the thing about this week in review. This is largely an exercise in sort of going over some of the things we've already thrown out there but just reviewing how it's gone so far this week and what we expect of it going forward. On the season, Olenek is still outside the top 100, but over the last month, he's number 80. He's really trended up nicely. Uh, he's still only owned in 42% of leagues. He belongs on every roster right now, and he's been particularly good lately. Top 60 over the last two weeks. 
Sure, he's shooting out of his mind over that stretch, and that type of stuff might not hold. But also, the steals and blocks have been a little bit lower over the last week and a half as well. So some of the good stuff will trend down. Some of the bad stuff will trend up. I I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to beat out Myers Leonard for whatever center or power forward minutes those guys are fighting for. Bam obviously has a claim to 30-some-odd minutes in the front court. But then once you get beyond those dudes, the fact that James Johnson just isn't a factor all of a sudden this year is enormous for Olenek. He played eight minutes, Johnson did, in their last game at Houston. This is in stark contrast to the last two seasons where every time we were like, oh, Kelly's getting it going, then James Johnson would come back and they'd feed him, they'd force feed him 22 minutes, and Kelly would never get up and over that 24 to 25 threshold. This year, we're seeing it settle into something near that spot. Now, we do have to be concerned that Duncan Robinson could slide up and play some power forward. We have to be concerned that Justice Winslow might be allowed to play some power forward. So there are still reasons for a a small measure of pessimism on the Olympic front. But to me, as long as he's playing well, and as long as the minutes have been good, over the last two weeks, he's averaging 27 minutes a game. If he is up in that neck of the woods... There is nothing that can stop his fantasy value. Nothing. I threw Jay Crowder back on this pickup list, although, again, this is, you know, that's a multiple week thing. At some point, we're probably just going to have to remove him from that. Uh, he's a guy that got off to a slow start with his new team, but he's settled in as sort of the veteran presence. He's been awful at the free throw line, which is a little bit weird. He's a career 77%er, and he's at 69% this year. So I've got to believe that that levels off somewhere along the line. But he's hitting a whole bunch of three-pointers. Uh, he's getting you a steal a ball game, six boards, again, because he's just out there a lot. So eventually he's going to get a rebound. Three assists, which is uh, a career high for him because, again, he's not looking for his shot. He's looking to get the other guys involved, and he's become weird sort of like a weird 3 and D slash facilitator role. Over the last two weeks, he's inside the top 80. He's going to bounce around between, you know, having weeks where he's number 65 and weeks where he's number 120, and that'll balance out, I think, to around uh, top 90 value. So, again, he's not a massive needle mover, but he's a guy that belongs on fantasy teams, and as pickups go, he has a really nice, steady floor as the Marvin Thad 30-minute marker, and a little bit, a, a very small amount of upside should anybody actually get hurt on that team. And, you know, there are games where he's decided he, he needs to do more. Like uh, we saw recently, he scored 21 points a couple games back against the Lakers. He scored 20 against the Clippers. Want to see those steals keep coming in. That's, that's going to be a big key. We cannot let those float away. I put Jared Culver on the pickup list, even though I'm not 100% behind this uh, suggestion. I-, I just feel like he's one of those guys that, if it pans out, you're going to be irritated that you weren't a part of it. Does that make sense? This has happened before. Uh, it happened for Nerlens Noel for me this year, actually. I-, I drafted him in a couple of spots. The first few games, it looked like he was going to get his usual 12-minute roll. And I thought, okay, well, you know what, that's... That's unfortunate. And then Steven Adams got hurt. People picked up Noel before I could get back to the wire. They, they beat me by two minutes or whatever it is. And then he just held on to a job. So a lot of folks kind of lucked into that one. And I don't want that to happen here. 
the same idea where, you know, the guy might not be good enough in the moment, but what if something translates? It's a little bit of a luxury situation with Culver right now because if you're picking him up and you're in unlimited games format, you're just saying, I'm fine with the fact that his percentages are god-awful. You know, he's number 297 over the last month because his percentages are among the worst in the entire NBA over that stretch. 10 points, 3 boards, 3 assists, a steal, half a block, 1.33 pointers. That's all fine. But the percentages, 11 shots, he's shooting 37%. And he's making 1 out of 2.5 free throws a game. That's Hassan Whiteside from last year territory. Some of that stuff should trend up. You know, he's not a 43% foul shooter. I think he... uh, I believe he was in the 70s or something in college, low 70s, which still isn't good. Uh, but you can sort of stomach it if the other stuff is better. Right now, the other stuff isn't better. And so for me, I, you know, he falls really more in the watch list department. But I threw him into the pickups because if something clicks, you're probably not going to be able to get him fast enough. And someone else is probably going to already be sitting on him. Let's talk about Jakob Pertl. I threw him on the pickup list as well, even though to me he's like a cheaper version of some of these other centers we've brought up. Uh, eight rebounds, five blocks in their last game against Minnesota, but the Spurs keep losing, so they're going to keep moving bodies around. He is 100% owned in my Roto Leagues, all of my competitive 12-teamers. Even though he's only 12% owned overall, that means probably people are listening to this podcast in those leagues because I've been talking about him a lot. Uh, I like his blocks, I like his field goal percent, I like his rebounds. That's a nice, he's a little bit more of a specialist, but he has the ability with those specialist traits to sit just outside the top 100, kind of an 11th man type on your team, where you plug him in when you need a particular set of categories. There's almost no upside with Pirtle. He's never going to get a big role. It's not like he's going to start taking a bunch of shots. So his good stuff, meaning the field goal percent, is going to be leveled off by the fact that he's probably only going to take two or three shots a game. I mean, seriously, he really doesn't shoot at all. Uh, And then the other stuff, the blocks, that'll be okay. And you just have to hope he doesn't get to the free throw line because he's not good there at all. Mo Wagner is the next guy I want to talk about. He's a pickup, but he's a scary one. Uh... You know, I, I spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about how I didn't trust Ivica Zubats as a pickup this year, not because he wasn't putting up good fantasy numbers in his time on the floor, but because his time on the floor was exceedingly limited. He is way over-owned, I believe, in fantasy leagues right now, even at 35%. He's sitting at number 134 on the year, and there's nowhere for him to go. He's going to play... 16 minutes a game. He'll have a couple where he gets to 20, and he'll have a couple where he plays 13 and a half, and then there'll be another 13, and then a bunch of 17s. Sure, 9.7 boards and a block in 16 minutes is good, but he needs another probably 20% on top of that. That's where the run-in is here. That's the rub. Zubats just isn't playing enough. It's great. He can go full bore in his 16 minutes a game. He never has to slow down for a second because they have Montrez Harrell ready to play 30 minutes off the bench. Uh, but again, with this uh, getting a little bit sidetracked here, this is my fear with a guy like Mo Wagner. Wagner is number 88 on the season in 19 minutes a game. Is this sustainable is the question we have to ask ourselves. I'm willing to say you should pick him up 
just in case it actually is. I don't think his minutes are going to trend up the way that some other folks do. I don't see them benching Thomas Bryant. I don't know that they can play those two guys together because that would cut into minutes some of the for some of the power forwards that they really like on their own roster, such as you know their first-round draft pick, Rui Hachimura. I don't know that Wagner can continue to shoot 65% from the field while making over a three-pointer a game. I don't know that he can continue to average almost a steal and a block while playing only 19 minutes a game. There's a lot on his ledger that I'm worried about from a regression standpoint. But, frankly, we just don't know. The Wizards play a crazy up-tempo offense, so the stats are sort of just out there waiting to be had. And I think you got to at least take a chance on it. So I'd, I'd call him a pickup and a start. Josh Hart is a pickup. He's back from injury. Uh, he didn't look all that great in his first game back, but who does? Uh, he's number 74 on the season overall. And when he was healthy, he was playing high 20s in minutes for that New Orleans team, averaging about 28 minutes a game. Uh, that might trend down a tiny bit with J.J. Redick playing better, but Hart is just all hustle. He's all heart, honestly. Three-pointers, rebounds, steals. He does it on decent enough percentages. Uh, he belongs on a roster, and I know he got dropped in a lot of places because he missed a bunch of time. He's wildly under-owned at just 44% for a guy that was putting up top 65 numbers uh, the first couple weeks to start the year. I don't think I need to talk about him all that much. He was just good. Uh, I threw Nerlens Noel back on this list, but I, I don't even think we need to talk about that, dude. He is clearly a start guy. Like, it's not even close. He's number 82 on the season. He's been better than that lately. Uh, he's gonna he's averaging almost three combined defensive stats in his 20 minutes a game. I mean, that's the type of stuff and, and the huge field goal percent. I don't know that the 83% at the foul line holds for him. That would be a big jump over his career mark. Uh, but there's there are minutes on the table for him right now, and he's playing 20 a game generally, even with Adams back. Well, they got whipped in Portland, so nobody played all that many, but he's sitting around 20 instead of 12, and that's more than enough. Tomas Sadoransky's on this list, but he's been on this list a thousand times, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of uh, air, a lot of oxygen on Sato. He's, you know, he's inside, he's right around the edge of the top 100, uh, over the last month, he's number 92, and I think there's upside beyond that. So he should be on your fantasy team, and he got dropped in a lot of places because the Bulls are a depressing lot, but he should be on a team. Uh, Kevon Looney, to me, is a guy that needs to be stashed at this point. He is officially, they believe, two games away from getting on the court. It won't be a ton of playing time for the first week back, I would reckon. So you're looking at probably about 10 days before you can throw him into a lineup. Uh, and that is... I'm absolutely willing to wait 10 days because there is there's upside with him that other bigs don't have right now because other bigs don't have the the clear path that anybody in Golden State has at the moment. If he's just a little bit better than these other guys, he's going to play more than them. So absolutely, he's a stash. Uh, Alec Burks continues to be the one warrior uh, that's playing big minutes right now that I feel like I can trust in any reasonable fashion. Um... And he's still, he's sitting just inside the top 100. I have another Warrior on my list, but he's in the, the watch list. So I'll just jump there and then we'll come back. And that's Marquise Chris. I don't know what his minutes are going to look like when Looney comes back. So after these two weekend games, uh, what are they, Friday, Saturday or Friday, Sunday? I think it's Friday, Saturday. Uh, 
he could very well disappear. So you might be stuck in like two game streamland at this point, um, but maybe he holds on. So that's why he's on my watch list. Tim Hardaway Jr. is on my pickups list right now. I know he didn't have a good ball game their last time out, but he did play close to 30 minutes in that ball game against the Clippers. Uh, 29, I believe. He had eight points, three steals, just didn't take a ton of shots, which is a bummer because we need him gunning if he's going to get anywhere near his potential value. But the key for him also is going to be getting that field goal percent up. He's at 40.5% right now. His career is around 42 And as I've said before, I just wonder if playing with better teammates and getting into that starting lineup with Luka, with KP, with guys that can space the floor and and have gravity can open him up in a way that he's not getting when he's either uh, playing with a second unit that is all J.J. Barea when he's on the floor like once every month or just like a weird mishmash of guys that can't space the floor. Uh, Does this actually improve his field goal percent? Will there be enough on the table? Will he get his, you know, 11 shots per game or something like that, which would probably be enough to to warrant fantasy value. And I think we got to pick him up to see if that gets there. And my last guy in the pickup list is Carmelo Anthony, mostly because I just wanted to talk about the fact that he's actually been okay over his last two ball games. Uh, over the last week, Melo is number 117. Again, that's still sort of right outside the cut line in nine cat leagues, and that's playing about as well as he possibly could. He's shooting 52% on high volume over that stretch, and still it's not quite enough to get him uh, inside normal fantasy value. So he's very much a points league guy. You can keep an eye on him if things derail in Portland, but now they've beaten a couple of bad teams. Uh, They've got another one with Chicago and then the Clippers, and then their schedule gets tougher again. But a couple of wins for the Blazers, even against clunky teams, can give them uh, just a little bit of breathing room. A little bit of breathing room before they hit full-on panic mode. So no, he's not a traditional pickup, by the way. Um, But he is points league, and and you could probably throw him on the watch list and everything else. Drops, and we'll try to speed through these because I thought the pickups were the most interesting. I'm dropping Kem Birch if I'm in a standard league. I know that he's playing okay minutes, but the, the numbers just haven't been there. And maybe you could give him through today just to see how that goes. This is Friday, of course. Nick Batum is a drop. I know he had a better ball game the last time out, but he is just so reluctant to do anything at all when he's on the floor. It is mind-boggling how little he cares in his to actually get engaged with the basketball game. Uh, his last ball game was actually pretty good. He finally made his first two-pointers of the season. Can you believe that? He had only attempted or only made threes to that point. That's how little he cares about attacking. He's just a facilitator right now. Uh, you got to be in a pretty deep format, I think, for that to be useful. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson is a drop, and I use him as a segue to talk about the other Raptors backups. Uh, Sergi Baca will probably be back most likely within the week. So I'm probably just continuing to bail out on Boucher, Terrence Davis, and Norman Powell. And I'm just going to call all of those guys Uh, potential drops for your team. You guys know how I feel about the other Miami Heat guys. I'm not interested in Dragic or Tyler Harrow. Kendrick Nunn is the only one of those guys I'm uh, kind of curious about. Uh, I think he's worth holding. Uh, Duncan Robinson is probably a drop here with Justice Winslow coming back. And Justice Winslow is not an ad. People are going to kill me for this, but he's number 233 on the year with huge popcorn numbers because he has the same issues as Jared Culver. 
His percentages are garbage, and he turns the ball over a lot. He's 100% owned in my leagues. He's 62% owned overall, and he's been horrible. I mean, please, people, play him if I'm going up against you. Please take yourself out of the running in field goal and free throw percent every week and lose turnovers. I can absolutely handle the fact that you're trotting a guy out there who's averaging 13, 8, and 4.5. And I can match that with a guy that's not going to cost me three categories. Please trot him out there. Uh, Dylan Brooks is also a punt or a, uh, a drop unless you're punting field goal percent, in which case then he probably creeps just inside the cut line, but that's a pretty narrow window. That's a narrow band you're jumping through. P.J. Washington is on my hold list, but he is running out of time. His minutes have been trending down. I do like his fantasy profile, but uh, in 27 minutes a game, he's now outside the top 100, and he's playing less than that seemingly every game. So that puts him on the... I'm getting a lot of people offering me P.J. Washington in leagues and trades. Guys, do we need to have another freaking podcast about when you're supposed to offer guys in trades? It's not when they're soiling themselves. Don't give me I'm pooping my pants edition of P.J. Washington. I would have taken him off your hands four weeks ago when he was playing 37 minutes and going for 15-5 and two steals with three three-pointers. You're too late. You missed the window. People, stop sending garbage trade offers. Please be better. Please be better. Ugh. Get it together, folks. Uh, DeJounte Murray is a hold... I don't think I had to tell you guys that. I know he's been bad and off the bench lately, but you got to hold on. Something's going to give there. By the way, I put Derek White on my watch list. I know he's starting now, so he's probably going to get added in a bunch of spots, but I'm not willing to drop anybody I like. Uh, so uh, I've got him more in the uh, watch department. And even in his starts, he hasn't been all that impressive. He's been better, but not impressive. What is he? Number 250 over the last week? I mean, that's not very good. Percentage is bad. He had a six turnover game that you can sort of wipe that out. You get rid of that, and that obviously his ranking comes up a little bit. Um, Spurs are a mess, dude. Spurs are a mess. So he's on the watch list. Murray's on the hold list. I've got Isaiah Thomas on my hold list as well. I don't think they're ever going to move him back to the bench where life would get a lot easier with him potentially running things. As a starter, he's had a tough time. So I wouldn't even kill you if you had to drop him. I totally understand. I I have him on my bench in a couple of spots just to see if anything gives in such a high-octane offense. It feels like there has to be something there. Uh, But again, if he just keeps getting sort of pushed to the periphery in that starting unit, then there's nothing we can do about that, and then we'll move on. And Dario Saric is on my hold list as well. I know he's had a couple of big games, so I probably didn't need to put him here. Um, but he's going to fall back outside the top 100 as soon as Baines gets healthy. Uh, When Phoenix gets right, he's not going to be playing center, and then the rebounds take a huge hit, the steals and blocks take a hit, uh, and then he goes back to being more of just a few points, a few boards, and uh, maybe a three-pointer, a ball game. So he's hanging on right now, uh, but that should dry up pretty quick. My watch list. Joe Ingles is on my watch list. He's actually been good for now, I believe, two games in a row which is something. They play tonight at Memphis. They've got Toronto uh, on Sunday. If Ingles has another one or two good ball games, he definitely would hop back on my team. Uh, He's ranked number 209. No one has abandoned him yet. He's still 60% owned. Um, I don't know that there's a great future for him this year, but maybe something turns around here. 
Corey Joseph is on my watch list as sort of a punt points guy. He just doesn't want to shoot at all. Uh, but he's on the floor for like 35 minutes a game lately, which is crazy numbers. Uh, 36, 35, 28, 39 minutes mixed in there. Since De'Aaron Fox went down, his minutes have obviously been very high. He's getting steals. He's getting assists. He's actually getting a few rebounds from the point guard spot, about three a ball game. Uh, and he's sitting at number 138 in standard leagues. But, and this is where you know your format or your build does come into play, as I just mentioned a moment ago, if you happen to be punting points over that stretch, his value obviously takes a very large boost. He leaps to number 86. The 5.7 points per game is pretty rough. But again, that's a pretty narrow window you're jumping through. Uh, Matisse Thibault is on my watch list. He had a big game with Jay Rich out with a hamstring thing, but it sounds like Josh Richardson is going to be fine, and this could be maybe a one-game absence, if that. Langston Galloway's on my watch list, if only because Detroit looks terrible. He's been starting, and I believe he's scored in double figures now in something like 12 consecutive ball games. but he just doesn't do anything else. He's number 125 on the season. He's about top 100 over the last month. He's just outside of that over the last two weeks because he had a, a real heater uh, almost exactly two weeks ago that now sort of just came off the uh, the averages bar there. Um, he's going to do more certainly on games where Blake Griffin or Derrick Rose rests. But in terms of the Pistons, anybody there that's not Drummond or Griffin and maybe a, like an homage to Derrick Rose is in real trouble. Even Luke Kennard, they, they, these are guys are sell guys if you even have the opportunity to do it. Bismack Biombo's on my watch list. I don't think he's going to get another start. It sounds like Cody Zeller is probable. He looked good, Biz did, in his fill-in role. So at least we know what to do if Zeller ever misses another ball game, and that's probably more what this is about uh, than actually doing anything with him now. Kata Bates-Diop on the Minnesota Timberwolves has been playing a bit better lately. Uh, 22, 13, 16 points his last three games. He's been shooting exceptionally well, which probably is unsustainable. So even though he's number 70 over the last week, if you adjust for sustainability, you're probably looking at a guy that in a best case scenario is sitting at about number 120. And finally, Jordan McRae is the last name on my watch list. He's been okay for the Wizards lately, but I, I'm not buying in on this thing. Uh, there's There's sort of too many things going on. McCray's been just inside the top 100 over the last two weeks. A couple of really good ball games mixed in there with steals, threes, uh, and that's about it. It, it. You know, he profiles as a three and D type. That's probably shooting a bit over his head right now. Um, keep an eye on him, but he's not at all a pickup yet. So I know that the games are going today already, or just one of them is, I suppose, but we can hopefully here dive in a little and get you prepped for the Friday and weekend card. Boston is at Brooklyn. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is back, and he's playing as we speak, so that's going to deal a little bit of a hit uh, to Jared Allen's prospects and make them both difficult guys to own going forward. Uh, otherwise, with uh, with Brooklyn, you know, you're just sort of waiting on on Kyrie Irving making his return, and Spencer Dinwiddie is going to keep rolling along uh, until that day comes. The games that haven't started yet at the time of recording this podcast, Toronto is at Orlando. I think we have a pretty good idea of what to expect from those two ball clubs, so I'm not going to uh, dive in too deep on the fantasy side there. Charlotte-Detroit, this is the second half of a home-and-home home situation. I think the Pistons actually come out a little bit irritated after losing now twice to the Hornets already this season. Philly is at New York. This should be a good and ugly one. 
the Knicks are terrible. I don't know what else I need to say on that one. Uh, you know, we're watching Mitchell Robinson. Uh, bu- 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 uh, if Josh Richardson's playing, that's obviously something we're keeping an eye on as well. But uh, no, not a whole lot of other stuff going on with that one. Milwaukee with Chris Middleton back. We have a good feel for them. Cleveland, it's just the big men. Those are the only guys you're trusting with that franchise. Warriors at Miami, uh, no Looney back yet, so it's the same guys. We'll watch Marquise Chris to see if he can keep it going a little bit longer. Uh, Miami's going to be a very tough test for these Warriors uh, scrap heap guys. This could be an ugly game, and I think Draymond Green is playing. But is that going to be even worth using? Miami, obviously, uh, Jimmy Butler, I think he's expected to play after missing a game with an illness. Kelly Olynyk, we're watching the guards, we're watching, I mean, stinky old Justice Winslow to see if his percentages can actually come up. They won't, by the way, spoiler alert. He'll have a game or two where they look better, and then they'll all even out as usual. Atlanta's impossible to deal with these days. It's just the two main guys. Indy, it's the starters. Pelicans are an interesting one. In fact, this is kind of a fun ball game overall. Pels and Thunder. Uh, Josh Hart, healthy. Derek Favors out for personal reasons again, which, you know, it's not the back now which I guess is good news. Well, let's hope the personal thing is not something that is too long-term. Let's hope it's something, you know, small and solvable. I hope everything is okay for him. Uh, but if you've held on this long, you obviously have to keep doing it. I'm going to keep running J.J. Redick out there until the wheels come off. It looks like he's now carved out a nice role. Uh, it just took everybody getting hurt for him to sort of settle in a little bit. Utah at Memphis. Interesting opportunity here. You know, Jonas Valanciunas has started to look a lot better over his last two basketball games. I thought he's been more active. Let's see how that goes against a very good Utah team. Uh, otherwise, again, I think we still have a pretty good idea what's going on uh, for these Memphis Grizzlies, and the Jazz are, are pretty easy. We're watching Joe Ingles, though, should he have another good ball game. Clippers should have their full complement here, and that means life is going to get tough for San Antonio. What is Greg Popovich going to try in this stupid ball game? Only time will tell. The Mavericks. We're watching Tim Hardaway Jr., as mentioned, to see if he can maintain any kind of value with that starting unit. Phoenix. I uh, don't believe Aaron Baines is playing in this ballgame. I, I think he's considered questionable, so we'll have to wait and see on that one, but I believe he's still out. Uh, but Ricky Rubio is expected to play again, so that's good news for the Suns. Chicago's in Portland. I mean, what do we really care about with the Bulls at this point? Levine should be fine. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. has been okay. Laurie Markkinen's been terrible. I mean, really, really awful. You should try to buy him for like a top 100 guy and see if somebody just panics and hits okay. Portland side, uh, it's basically the starting five are even borderline relevant. Rodney Hood barely, and then Carmelo again, more of the points league style. And then Washington and the Lakers. Uh, Wizards, a lot of guys on the watch list with this team. Let's see how Wagner does against his old ball club. Uh, Lakers are rolling, and this is a, a game they should win, but it's sort of a weird one day after Thanksgiving against a team that's not very good that's going to get out and run a whole bunch. Uh, I think it should be a fun ball game, and uh, we'll see how that bad boy turns out. From a betting perspective, which of course is the other side of all of these equations, there are a lot of games on the docket, which means there's a lot of things you could possibly look at to throw a couple coins on. And when I say that, I mean it intensely. There are nine revenge games going on today. 
Sadly, one of them already started. The Nets and Celtics played each other on Wednesday, so this is actually the second half of a home-and-home, and had I woken up early enough to get this damn podcast done, uh, I would have told you guys to bet on the Nets. Um, catching four-and-a-half at home in a, in a the back end of a home-and-home home set, that's a great spot to take an underdog, a home underdog at a weird hour. Ugh, so annoyed that I didn't get a chance to do put that one in beforehand. Uh, other revenge games on the docket. Magic are on double revenge against the Raptors, Pistons, and Hornets. That's also a double revenge spot. Knicks, Cavs, Pelicans, Jazz, Spurs, and Bulls all fit that mold. Uh, can you legitimately bet on 9 out of 13 games on a card? The answer is probably not. Um, so you may want to take a look at a few of these things. For instance, the Jazz are actually on revenge at memphis that's a big number they're laying on the road so you sort of reconsider portland just beat chicago uh bulls now head out i actually kind of like that one with them catching a bunch of points uh chicago getting embarrassed in golden state in their last ball game so that's one that i kind of like a little bit the bulls spurs are a very difficult team to bet on right now they're just terrible uh and the clippers take them seriously they could beat the hell out of them uh new orleans actually is on revenge at oklahoma city they played poorly in portland but back home the thunder are a lot better so that's kind of a tough one so anyway you look through these and you try to find reasons potentially to put a few either on or off your card uh nicks catching six and a half against the 76ers that's a weird one there's just a lot of weird obviously we will track all nine and sadly the one that i like the most is the one that already started we'll see how that one shakes out but uh, so far so good i guess um, I guess the other one, if you wanted to throw it out there, are teams that played each other really recently, and that would be um, Chicago-Portland fits that mold, unfortunately. Tough to bet on the Bulls, ain't it? But, uh, yeah, Portland's not that good this year. They've beaten a couple of bad teams, including Chicago, and so that gives you a, a little bit of pause. Okay, let's take the rest of the show and do some questions, huh? First of all, uh, one question that I have for you guys is, have you reached out if you'd like to be a contributor or part of our brand new sales team here at HoopBall. We are forming a sales division, so bug me. At Dan Vespers on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you can't figure out how to spell it because it's annoying to listen to on the podcast, just search for Dan from HoopBall on Google, and you can scroll down. You'll have my spelling there. The Twitter handle is uh, one of those pages down the list. Or if you're not on social media, send a note to Team HoopBall, all one word, Team HoopBall, at hoop-ball.com. Team HoopBall at hoop-ball.com. Become a part of the madness over here. And that, by the way, goes for all of the positions that we have open, which uh, when I say positions, I guess I should say roles. We have contributor roles if you want to get in the writing side, the pod side, the marketing side, whatever. And then, of course, the big one right now is sales push. It's on. Come join us. Let's do something crazy. You need daytime availability, by the way, if you want to be part of the sales team. Uh, other question I have for you guys is, have you signed up for the Brews letter yet? And the at the website, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. And finally, before we get into the, the mailbag questions, they're good ones, by the way, blended in here. We have a Black Friday sale going on at HoopBall. Kind of buried the lead on that one. The Game Time Premium Membership is 50% off. 50% off. That is a half-off discount. For Game Time Premium, the code is Black Friday. All one word. Go check it out now. It's the full year's package 
of our Game Time Premium membership. You get all of our live videos, Q&As with the pros. You get the premium subscriptions. You get the streaming guide, the schedule grid, the dynasty rankings, the projections, all of that stuff for the entire season at half off with coupon code BLACKFRIDAY. Go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, and go get that right now. Mailbag time. Let's open her up. I'm going to see if I can get through every single one of these things. That's my goal here. We've got, uh, I'm going to say we've got 18 minutes on the pod, and I'm going to try to get through every question on the list. I think I can do it. There are like 30 questions, so I'm going to try to go at about 30 to 40 seconds per question. Uh, These are in whatever order Twitter organized them, by the way. This is not, you know, best question to worst question. They, I'm going to skip over ones that are very team-specific. You guys know how this works. I'm not just going to answer like, hey, here's a trade I've got on the table. Uh, my my four-for-four four trade offer. These need to be questions that are that we can find applicable to other people. So if your question didn't get and get answered there, that's probably why. Uh, J-Ball, at J-Ball Blogger, says, Hey there, I'm feeling hopeful about both DeJounte Murray and Markel Fultz. What is your take on them, and who would you rather have rest of season? Uh, I like Murray between the two. Uh, I know Fultz has actually been the better player over the last couple of weeks. Some of that, though, is related to uh, the sort of changing dynamics in Orlando as everybody got hurt. When people went down, to Fultz's credit, by the way, he stepped up a little bit. He's done more over the last three or four games. His minutes have increased as he's taken uh, some minutes alongside DJ Augustine. Shooting percentage has been very good because he doesn't take any three-pointers. Steals have been solid all season long, and the assists are trending up because he's been forced to orchestrate a lot more. However, the outlook, sadly, is not as great down the line because as this team gets healthy, they'll shift things back to probably a Fultz and Augustine point guard role split. Aaron Gordon and Nick Vucevic force a lot of bodies to move around. They've gone smaller with those guys off the floor. Uh, And so I think you see Fultz trend back down into that 24-minute territory instead of the 28 or 29 that's floating his value right now. Now, to his credit, again, he's played really well lately. Uh, I think the Spurs eventually have to lean into the guys that are young and talented, and DeJounte Murray is one of them, even though, again, he's been a very difficult guy to have on your team lately. As the minutes trend up, as the games off disappear, uh, he's a guy that just has infinite potential, and so you got to go with the dude who has that insane, well-rounded fantasy line. That's question number one. Question number two, can you give us a list of big guys you would want to get for CP3 in a trade? Hmm, interesting. Okay, so here's what I would do, and you guys can just sort of do it along with me here. Go to the player ranking for this season and sort on a per-game basis. Chris Paul right now is number 28. 28. Pretty damn good, considering he was outside the top 100 after the first week of the year. Uh, he's a first-round guy over the last, uh, like, 10 days or so. I think prior to that last one that where they just got waxed up in Portland. Uh, the guys that you can look for around Chris Paul right now that are probably going to hover in that same territory for large portions of the year... Uh, would be someone like LaMarcus Aldridge you could probably get for Chris Paul. It's a little bit of a trade down, but you are looking for uh, durability in that spot. 
I don't think that I would go for Sabonis in a trade for Chris Paul. I think I'd rather have Paul. I know that they're only separated by seven slots right now, so CP3 just a little bit ahead. But everything's going to get flipped on its head in Indiana when Victor Oladipo comes back. I know from a stat set perspective, Sabonis is less threatened than, say, someone like Jeremy Lamb, who at times plays the same position as Oladipo. Obviously, that's not the case with Sabonis. But opportunity goes down. Fewer shots, fewer assists, all those little things that just sort of peel away at it a tiny bit. And also, frankly, I'm not convinced that Sabonis is going to shoot 82% at the foul line all year. And while I do love, I mean, listen, these are me knocking a guy that whose game I adore and I wanted him in so many leagues and just didn't get him early enough. Uh, the rebounds should also trend down just a tiny bit now with Miles Turner back from, you know, he was sitting in that 14 range. That'll probably come back down towards 12. Uh, the steals and blocks are, are never really a big part of his game. So if the other stuff comes back even a little bit, then that does ding him. So I, I see him tailing off just a tad. I think he's going to have a great season. I think he could very much end up inside the top 50. Uh, but Chris Paul, to me, as long as he's on the floor... He felt like an easy top 30 guy, um, so I, I don't know that I would make that move down. I uh, would look at it, see if maybe you could get Rudy Gobert. It might be too late. He's actually been sort of on the upswing. Bam Adebayo is a guy I would put, consider throwing an offer out for. I know his, the free throw percentage is, is weighting his stuff right now. Uh, and then if you wanted to just go sort of like hurt guy for hurt guy, you could try for Kevin Love, but I, I, that to me is actually not one that I would really gun for. Thomas Bryant is a little bit too low. And then if you look at the guys above Chris Paul on your list, the big men there are guys like Vooch, Clint Capella, uh, Pascal Siakam, if you want to call him a big man, John Collins, who's hurt right now or suspended, I should say. Maybe that's one you think about as he's getting close to coming back. Collins, I think, will probably be inside the top 35 this year. So maybe you take an overall per game tiny hit, but he's going to be doing a ton for that Atlanta team. Uh, he's going to be irritated, and I think he's going to play out the rest of the year. So uh, those are, I think, some of the names you could look at, and I took way too long with my answer to that question. I have, Lars, this is uh, Larceny10, says, I have two sell-high guys on my team, Marcus Morris and Jabari Parker. By the way, number one, I don't think Marcus Morris is a sell-high guy. He's just going to get a ton of opportunity on a terrible team all season long. Jabari Parker very much is a sell-high guy, but if you're in a competitive league, everybody knows that Jabari Parker is a sell-high guy. Everybody knows that John Collins is coming back in three weeks, and so you got to just do whatever you can during that narrow window that you're looking at. Uh, and so to that end, I'm not sure that you can get much for Jabari Parker. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are leagues where guys are clamoring for him. I just don't think that that's a possibility. So what I would probably do in your spot is if you were going to pair those guys... You aim for someone who's ranked right around what they are right now. You're basically turning two guys that are sitting in that, that 70 range to one guy who's going to sit in that 70 range that you know is going to be there the rest of the year. Because I, I and, and frankly, if you were saying, what should I do? What would I do? What would Dan do in this spot? I just ride it out. Head-to-head, uh, -head, obviously, you want to try to get out from Parker before he takes the hit, which is the, the format that, that Lars is in. Roto, I think you just let the stats pile up and understand that whatever you get back probably wasn't going to be good enough anyway. Um, and if you want to here, I mean, if you throw those two guys together, aim for someone who's maybe, I don't know, you feel like they're an easy top 60 
Boyan Bogdanovich, Danilo Gallinari, Rob Covington. These guys are in that neck of the woods that are just a hair above the dudes that you'd be trading away. And that, to me, is your best-case scenario in head-to-head. You just want to make that incremental upgrade while you can. But again, I think I'd just ride it out. Uh, a couple of trade ideas on the table here. I'll whip these. Th- I'll whip through these very fast. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jonas Valanciunas on one side. Beal, Wendell Carter Jr. on the other. I like the Jokic side. Um, I think he's the best player in the bunch. Um, Valanciunas, I think, is far better than Wendell Carter Jr. by the time this season's done. Donovan Mitchell versus Jonathan Isaac. Uh, I like Jonathan Isaac there. Uh, for me, the upside is actually higher, believe it or not. Brandon Ingram versus Freddie Van Fleet. I'm going to go Freddie. Uh, just a safer spot, and for Ingram, I do think there's a, a very large drop coming off. Uh, that was from uh, Mark A-G-A-S-M-D. Mark uh, I guess I might be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, at Kobe Shakur, Alex says, how can I get rid of Draymond without dropping him? This is a really good question, and the answer is we're kind of screwed right now. Um, he needs to play a few games in a row, which hopefully is about to happen. He's back from the heel thing. Uh, and he has played one game now, and I haven't heard anything about him missing the ball game tonight in Miami. They're in Orlando on Sunday, and then they're in Atlanta on Monday, so he's probably going to sit out one of those back-to-back if I had to guess, uh, but then they've got a couple days off in between each of their next two games on the road. So hopefully what we're about to see is five out of six healthy games from Draymond Green, and then if you can trade him for somebody inside the top 85, I think that's good enough at this point because I'm not sure he finishes inside that mark on a per-game basis, and I'm certain he doesn't finish inside that mark on a totals basis. So we're a little bit screwed. We need a tiny run of of health and then abandon ship for almost anything with a pulse at this point. I mean, Harrison Barnes is the kind of guy you can probably target with him. Um, Let's see who the hell else is down there. Maybe Jared Allen. If he suffers here with uh, DeAndre Jordan back, it's a it's slim pickings, man. You're not going to be able to get the guys that are trending up down in that territory either. So it, it's a it's a real tough spot. Hope for some health, and uh, then maybe see if you can flip him for someone that's hovering in that same area. Maybe Larry Nance Jr. would be an interesting target, or or Nerlens Noel if somebody thinks he's going to cool off here. But yeah, that's it's a tough bucket. Uh, what do I do with Otto Porter? Um, hold, I'm still holding him. If I traded Miles Turner, what should I expect to get back? This is, by the way, from our buddy Rubens Kim, who's uh, on uh, on staff over here at Hoopball. R-U-B-A-O, if you want to follow him on Twitter. Um, I think you could target a fourth rounder pretty easily with Miles Turner. He's, uh, he's a block monster. I think you could even potentially go higher than that. Uh, Fantasy Bomb said, how do you feel about Keita Bates-Diop? Well, we talked about him earlier in the show. Um, any chance he gets inside the top 100 and would you get him or Glenn Robinson the third? Uh, no, he's not going to finish inside the top 100. I would prefer Glenn Robinson the third if I'm picking between those two guys. Brent B P E N Carnado says, can Joe Ingles be trusted again? Uh, he's on my watch list. Am I rushing to pick up Otto Porter, Serge Ibaka, Kevin Herter, Derek Favors, or Marcus Soul? They're all on waivers right now. Uh, I'm confused on who's actually getting dropped. So I'm just going to put Kelly Olynyk on this list as well. Uh, I'm going to say Olynyk, Porter, Ibaka, Favors should definitely be on rosters. Herter and Gasol, not necessarily. Kristen Magnuson. Uh, Kristen Magnus one says, is Beal likely to get injuries because he's playing 37 minutes a game, or is he just a machine? 
he's healthy. He plays a lot of basketball and and he takes good care of himself. That all that stress reaction stuff seems to be in the past. So I, I wouldn't be overly worried. That's the type of stuff that catches up over time. Um, so it might you know maybe shorten his career down the line. But I don't know that you can just say there's a one to one happening during the season this season where he's playing a lot of minutes. With the Withers likely to miss the playoffs, how do you feel about his sitting potential? Uh, I don't think he sits more than about the last week straight through. He'll probably take some back-to-backs off during your fantasy playoffs, but provided you avoid the silly season by ending your league 10 days early, uh, I think you're looking at a guy who plays you know, most of his games down the stretch. Do you think the NBA would ever embrace day games during the week? This is from uh, Blake Lawatch. Uh, I wish they would. I don't think they will. I-, I think the only times you get to see them are days like today, after the holiday, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Christmas Day, basically times when the teams can really prepare for it, when they can, when they have the day off beforehand, when they can, when that maybe the travel is not too terrible, or they can budget it that way. The thing with baseball. And I love baseball, so I, I don't want you guys to think that I'm knocking it. The thing with baseball is those guys can slam a Red Bull and and then go. You know, then they do significant stretching before the ball game. The trainers get them all limbered up, and then there is, you know, for better or worse, there's a lot of standing around in baseball. The pitcher's the one guy who I would think is in trouble for some of these day games. But then everybody else. I mean, if you're in right field, yeah, obviously you're going to chase some stuff down every once in a while. But there are, I mean, there could be six, seven, eight minutes at a time where, you know, you're moving around, you might be backing up a guy. That's pretty different than an NBA game where if you tip off at, you know, 10 a.m. Pacific time after you are generally on an evening body clock schedule, guys are going to get hurt because they're just slamming into each other and their sleep schedule is all discombobulated. Uh, you'd see you'd see worse basketball. The games would be uglier. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to happen. I wish it would, but uh, I don't think it will. Here's another Jabari Parker uh, trade target question. So hopefully my other answer applies to this one. So uh, Greg Shine, will, we're going to jump over yours. Yours is a Jabari Parker-Jalen Brown combo deal. Uh, Brandon Baker says, uh, Kendrick Nunn was quoted as saying he believes he can win Rookie of the Year. Do you think he has a shot? And what do you think his rest of season outlook is? No, he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. Um, it's going to go to Ja. Or maybe Zion, if he comes back and plays particularly well. Or, you know, what if R.J. Barrett does a whole bunch of stuff? There's just not enough buzz. So, no, he's not going to win. But I do think he's a top 100 guy. So, it doesn't really matter if he wins Rookie of the Year. He's fantasy relevant. Who's the best big to take in Golden State? Uh, I'm stashing Kevon Looney, actually, as my favorite big in Golden State. Where, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I, I'm watching Marquise Chris. I think Willie Cauley-Stein and Amari Spellman probably take a, a very large hit when Looney comes back. Uh, and then again, among the other guys, Alec Burks is probably my my favorite, safest of the wings that takes a bunch of shots play. Uh, Maxi Kleba, Dwight Powell, Delon Wright in Dallas. Are these guys drops in a 14-man league? I think I would say yes to all three. I might give Dwight Powell a tiny bit longer in 14-man because he is seeing an okay number of minutes He's just not able to do a ton with them. Uh, but if his minutes even come up a little bit, that's enough in 14s to just keep him right on the border. Uh, with the state of the Oklahoma City Thunder, is Shea a hold in case CP3 is traded? I mean, he's a hold regardless, you know, uh, and he's not performing that well, so you, you don't want to trade him away right now. Is Steven Adams a waste of a pick? No, he's not healthy. Uh, I think he'll be better as the season goes along. 
Does Danilo Gallinari get traded? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Um, I think they're going to keep making their weird early season push to try to hang out near the periphery on the playoff thing. Those contracts are tough, man. Steven Adams, he has two years on his. Chris Paul has like a thousand years left on his. Gallo's probably the easiest among their guys to get moved, but they already have like 55 first-round picks in the next six years. So I don't know exactly what they'd be looking for other than, I would guess, someone in the NBA already. Young talent, and I don't know how many teams are willing to give up young talent for someone like Gallo. Is he the guy that's going to get somebody a championship? I like Gallo, but probably not. Is you know, CP3, is there a ton of interest in CP3? The team that would have wanted him is Miami, and they look great with Jimmy Butler running their point guard spot. So that might be drying up. Steven Adams, are there teams that really want to pay him $40 million here for this year and next year uh, when he's dinged up like this? I don't know that a trade is coming all that soon. So I wouldn't panic on this team. I wouldn't make a ton of adjustments. I think you just ride it out at this point. Or maybe even buy low on Steven Adams, depending on on what sort of cheap price you could get him for. Derek White and Jakob Pertle moving forward. By the way, that question was uh, from Vin Williams. Uh, P.T. Cruz asking about Derek White and Jakob Pertle. We covered them during the earlier portions of the show. And I did it. 17 minutes knocked out all the questions, I think. Did I get to all of them? Oh, who the hell knows? I thought I did. Twitter tells me I did. But if I didn't, I'm sorry. It was not on purpose. I'm just going on the damn list that Twitter gives me. And at a certain point, I'm uh, a little bit at their whim. Folks, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, I know we didn't go through Saturday and Sunday's games, uh, but we basically knocked everybody out on Friday. I guess there are four teams playing that that aren't going tonight. Uh, Denver, Sacramento, Indy, Houston. Is that it? Yeah, those are the four, I think. And uh, there isn't a whole lot that we're watching with those teams anyway, so... Um, Daniel House, I guess, is doubtful. Clint Capella, too, for Houston, but those are short-term things. So, uh, yeah, have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Back on Monday with Reverse Chronological Lightning Round. Enjoy the day basketball today that's going on right now, and enjoy the other 12 games coming up tonight. Uh, again, hit me up at Dan Bespris or Team Hoopball at hoop-ball.com if you want to join our team here as a contributor. Check out the Black Friday premium deal with coupon code Black Friday for 50% off our premium product. And finally, sign up for the Bruise Letter, hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Again, at Dan Vaspers on Twitter. We'll talk to you Monday. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.